Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd, Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Access Access All Areas, episode 106, the podcast that aims to dive deep into this legacy band, get them in the Rock Hall of Fame, have fun with my compadre, B, uh, and celebrate everything to do with NXS. How are you, B? It feels like I haven't seen you for a while. Is it really? Sort of. <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking nonstop. Yes, I haven't spoken to you a week. Uh, the burning <laughs> question is, how is dad? He's okay. He's uh, on the mend and uh, got through the hard part, but a little bit of a road road ahead. And mm-hmm. thank you for the well wishes uh, for people who texted me. Uh, it was lovely. Yeah. And there's somebody else as well we want to give a big shout out to. It's Carmen. She got through her operation. She's up. She's talking. She's giggling. And I believe there could be a maybe a former Dr. Dolphin member, maybe a certain guitarist with the, with the initials Tim Farris, who sent some get well wishes. Is that, uh, wishes. Is that right? Maybe Hayden, but Tim wasn't in Dr. Dolphin. Oh, wasn't he? Okay. Hey, Carmen. It's Timmy here. This is about the eighth message I've tried to record to you without getting tongue twisted and tied and and just a bit of a mess myself, but, you know, it happens um, quite a lot. Um, I just wanted to, you know, a little bee told me that you were in hospital and about to have an operation. So I wanted to let you know that I'm thinking of you. Uh, You're a beautiful girl and I love you lots and get well soon, which I know you're gonna do anyway. All right, Dom, take care, boy. All right, well, Carmen, Carmen will probably uh, has sprung to life with those little goodwill messages. But I did want to start off, B, by just actually uh, chiming in just with our exit song last week, which was Father's Day. Have you heard that song before? Did you like it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's yeah. lovely. Very there touchy. are Mel- Melbourne band, Weddings, Parties, Anything, a real sort of rootsy, urban-y sort of uh, inner city sort of uh, band. And uh, that song was, uh, as we heard last week, Tim called it out a song of the year in 1993. If you've got a dad or you are a dad and you listen to those lyrics and you play the song a few times, it brings a tear to your eye. So yeah. um, we know a few people love that sort of song. And for those overseas who are generally shielded from local Australian content, download it. I'm sure the band, Weddings, Parties, Anything, would love to get some royalties, even 30 years later. So Father's Day is the song, the band's Weddings, Parties, Anything. Anything? Do yourself a favour, as someone famous said. Did I edit it in right for you at the beginning? I wasn't too sure. Yeah, no, it was fine. No, right. was fine. I think I gave a few little time zones to capture the Timmy part, but yeah. Um, yeah, it seamlessly went into it, and uh, yeah, I listened to it and uh, jived away, and was was a happy camper. Um, talking it's a, about it's a, it's a nice talk- song. Thank you. Um, talking about um, playlists and editing, I've just sent Curtis, our film director, our whole playlist for the, the doco that we're about to do. So that was exciting, getting all the music together today. This is our sort of like live, narrow, been lived, isn't it? Like, uh, <laughs> live, huh? narrow, been lived. <laughs> yeah, this is our sort of localised version of our podcast. But um, 
I shall I shall just sort of quickly uh, go back to last week. We wrapped up Full Moon Dirty Hearts and we, we committed five episodes to that, which might yeah, be sort cool. of longer than any other <laughs> album, ironically, uh, especially for an album that was probably not considered, you know, high on the commerciality of their back catalogue. We do, you know, hope that uh, there was enough nuggets in there for you to rediscover or just discover the album and everybody who contributed or, you know, had some feedback uh, was well. Uh, it was some good platform discussion. Quite proud of those little five episodes, B, that we've now locked in the canon for life yeah yeah you're right we did get a lot of discussion on the uh on the socials and a lot of people says they've actually revisited the album and uh, bought the album which is great news and enjoying it again yeah now, I haven't asked you, how's your NXS week been? Uh, we, as I said, have, uh, through the powers of communication and editing, haven't spoken much in the last seven, eight days, but anything come across your desk that's exciting to share? Um, what can I share? Is it called WEA, um, Where Are You Now, or something? Philip Mortlock's page. He found a photo of um, Nick Egan sitting yep. outside a large painting that he'd done of Kick, which went out onto Sunset Boulevard. Love to know where that is now, hey? Yeah. Wonder if you could redesign one of those for the patrons. Oh, that would be fantastic. It was massive. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. So, yeah, that was lovely to see. Um, I've just found some great footage of Michael with Molly Meldrum and the guy out of Dragon, Mark. Mark Hunter. Yes, yeah, that yes. was good. I've just put that on to um, Australian music, which is good. Found some stuff with Dr. Dolphin and reached out to somebody called Kent. So hopefully Kent's listening. I'm full on with speaking to everybody. Lovely messages um, from everyone. So thank you. Yeah, well, we're going to the patron stuff in a moment, but I'm only going to give a little bit of a sneak peek of next week's episode, B, and I Already? haven't done this before. Yeah, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek, okay? And right. um, this one's probably going to be the first time we've actually had active uh, maybe fan participation maybe bar one episode I think there was one episode we did have some participation uh, maybe one of these uh, famous polls can come out but do you remember when we did the uh, album covers mm-hmm. and people got a chance to vote on the album covers they liked the most yeah and we had a bit of participation I have a visible memory lining up for my COVID flu shot originally uh, <clears throat> when that episode came out because all the polls were going. But uh, we would like to do a bit of a Michael episode next week. It's been a while since we've lavished over the joys of Michael. I thought we would come up with the top 10 Michael primal moments, B. Primal moments. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm talking. As she slides off the chair. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking everything from the big breakfast interview through to Need You Tonight film clip through to, um, you know, Never Terrace. But I mean, not Never Terrace, but that's more seductive, soulful. But uh, we want to put a list together of the top 10 Michael primal moments where the charisma. Okay, shun out to everyone there and then. And it could be anything, whether it's a concert being played live, a song, an interview, uh, an album cover, a photo. A radio interview. A lyric, an interview, whatever it might be. Mm. We This is a very wide base of stuff. So we're going to sort of put this thing out, I guess, as a little bit of an interaction and uh, maybe at the end of the podcast we'll uh, uh, find out sort of maybe where we can put some voting or some polling or some some feedback, but we want to sort of collate these top 10 moments and announce them next week, B. Okay. I thought I just would get that out a bit early in the podcast today in case uh, people don't make it to the end of the podcast. It's the fantastically talented Michael Hutchins. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Where are you? A big Thank sex you. symbol or something. <laughs> Hi. Good morning. <laughs> 
All right, well, this is time where we normally welcome new patrons and existing patrons aboard. I know there's a guy called Darren George who's sniffing around about becoming a patron, B. Well, he's been on all the platforms this week. We'd love to have you on board, Darren. You get access to lots of competition, prizes, fan questions to band members, a whole bunch of goodies. So open your wallet, Darren. It's only a cup of coffee or two a week. We would love to have you on board as we get this band to the Hall of Fame. But, uh, B, over to you to welcome all the existing patrons as is. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods and Darren Jones. Our patrons, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, get well soon, sweetheart, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camier, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Lisa Calloway, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, happy birthday, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, happy birthday, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, thank you for all your work, Kelly, happy birthday, darling, um, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Yari, Leos, Jamie, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Angie, Michael, Nancy, Juliet, Jenny, Scott, Anthea and Maria. You are all amazing. We love you so much and thank you for your support. And welcome to the podcast. thought we would launch a little bit of a new sort of little series, B, called Back in Time. As you know, and as the listeners know, we run a very much a chronological uh, podcast where we've taken the band from sort of the late 70s all the way through to about 1993. We're 16 years in, B. Do you realise that? Only. In a two-year podcast. We're 16 years in. However, <laughs> we do know there are so many accomplishments along the way that sometimes, you know, uh, people want to hear about and some things that we, we maybe uh, had some oversight on. So we thought we would do something, be called the DeLorean, not the Dalloraine, okay? <laughs> so for those don't know... <laughs> Before we recorded today, B was saying, now, what's the Delarine? What's the Delarine? And it was actually, I was trying to say it's the DeLorean, Back to the Future style. We're going back to 1985 today to talk about the Rock and Royal show. I know, it was me thinking we were going to Tasmania. I'm thinking sort of Delarine. <laughs> Tasmania is a band playing down there. I didn't know what she was talking about. Anyway, so we're going to, uh, in our topic a little bit later in a few moments, go through the Rock and Royal show uh, as of uh, November 1985 because that was a very significant achievement and a real stepping stone on their ascent to worldwide domination, B. Domination, yes. All right, but what's the time for? It's time for the news. This is Mary from the UK, and here is the news. All right, B, well, uh, the very best, greatest hits is Hanging On by Dear Life. It's uh, gone from 47 to 50 in the top 50, so uh, oh, uh, it's, it's hanging on by a thread. Yeah, it's like that... Uh, 
little sort of, you know, uh, action movie where, you know, the rope's suddenly withering on the vine and it's sort of coming to that last yeah. little thread. We need a, we need Keanu Reeves to come in and, and save the day and get this uh, into the, uh, the far reaches of the top 50, uh, or the high reaches, I should say. He's on God's top 10. Lots of news to go through, so I'm going to rip through these pretty quickly. Gigs, we've got the Don't Change Boys on the 8th of July in Rose Bay. We've got the What You Need Boys over in Perth on the 18th of June at the North Shore Tavern uh, in Perth. John Stevens going back to his homeland, uh, to New Zealand, uh, 2nd of June. Uh, he's going to be playing at the Auckland Power Station uh, with Wellington shows to follow. Uh, all the way over in America, we've got uh, the new Sensation Guys, the 28th of May, only a few days' time in Savannah, Georgia. Okay, playing at the Coach's Corner venue. What a cool name, Savannah. Yeah. All those shows, me down the south of Georgia, they're always in Savannah. <laughs> and also, B, there's a synth 80s pop band that are doing NXS covers at the moment amidst their own set that you'd like to share a little bit about gigs as well. Uh, can you share who that is? I would love to share. This is a good friend of mine called Scott, and he leads a band called Vox Neon, and they're playing at the Brass Monkey um, at hotel in um, where is the brass monkey again? It is Perth, is it or Sydney? Cronulla, Cronulla, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an intimate um, venue where you have like your dinner and your show. Um, he's pretty good. He does um, a lot of um, 80s and um, synth stuff that you just mentioned, and they're going to be putting in to look at you soon as oh, things. Cool. So I'm really looking forward to actually going and see him at some point. some article news there was a good retrospective a couple of retrospective articles one's uh, on a platform called the sound day and they do a really good deep dive into the song the one thing and just what that meant significantly to the band so the, the platform or uh, site that's on is called the sound day uh, and obviously it's the one thing and a really good deep dive uh, also there's another one totally 80s and the, i think the heading is in excess uh, got funky on original sin uh, which was the article uh, so often again you know even though the band aren't producing a lot of new material these days, there's often revisits of old songs and how they shape the land some 20, 30, 40 years later. So do yourself a favour on those. Also, 2B, well done to the girls this week. They educated me this week. Simple <laughs> Simon, 42 years of age, okay, as of May the 14th. So uh, well done to the newsletter team. Great get that they were able to remind us of that, plus that famous little clip up in Sydney cricket ground with the interview. On Simon Townsend's Wonderworld. Yeah, well, now Foxy's back. It's just going to go up another level. Absolutely. Mm. Also, yesterday, I got a chance uh, on Hunter Valley Radio in the sort of Newcastle, Hunter Valley area of, of New South Wales. Andrew did a little six-minute, uh, or Andrew Ferris did a little bit six-minute uh, grab there on the power of radio, just what it meant for the band. So uh, you can Google Andrew, Hunter Valley uh, Radio, and you'll get a little six-minute sort of interview, interview with Andrew about what, what you know, the landscape of music uh, being on the radio meant for a band like In Excess in the Day, and he really sort of pushes up Australian music on that. When I'm with you, everything's going Also, too, someone within our platforms this week, and I apologise for not mentioning the name, but Nicole Kidman's got a new show out on one of the streaming platforms and they play the song Disappear when she's in the car going back to a home or a house and I think she might even be singing along the way and she's a big In Excess fan and she's married to Keith Urban who, you know, has recorded In Excess. And yes. 
she loves In Excess and Akadaka. They're her two favourite bands. And I think there might be an orchestral version of Disappear at the end of the show in the credits. So if anyone can remind us of what show that is, I didn't sort of write it down at the time. Wish you told me about that because I've actually been watching that show, but I can't remember oh. the title. Oh, it's really, okay. it's really good. It's is really it an Australian good. show? Yeah, it is. There's a lot of Australian actors in it. And there's also... Is, is Melissa McCarthy in it? Yes. Okay, so that's the one. Okay, I think I know the show. It's, it's really good. It's the writer of uh, Little Lies. Okay, they wrote a new show, and I think it's yeah, filmed yeah, in yeah. New South Wales. Yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. So no, no, I don't know the show, but I know of it. Yeah, recommend it. Also, too, on the NXS website, um, I'm going to give a bit of credit here. You know, for years, the NXS website was remaining dormant, and you know, it seemed like it had you know five years behind in updates, but. Um, um, every week there's always little flourishes and updates of things now, and it seems like there's a couple of new uh, remastered videos of Never Tear Us Apart and Need You Tonight, where essentially they go back and restore the colour and the, you know, the technicolour of the of the filming and give it a bit of a sheen, uh, not too dissimilar to, you know, like when we sonically go back and remaster an album. This is sort of like a visual remaster. So um, you can go onto the platforms like the website of In Excess and see that, and it really comes to life. You know, the, it's uh, a lot of this stuff originally was shot on film 35 years ago. Um, so to go back and fix it up, it's not too dissimilar what uh, happened on uh, Live Baby Live B at Wembley. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because I've been looking at the videos for this week's show and you can see a difference in a lot of the shows, like some are really, really fuzzy and then some so clear. So it makes such a difference when they yeah. touch them up. I wonder if we could go back and touch our shows up, Hayden. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Episode one to, oh one to 20. Oh, my God. How embarrassing. Anyway. Yeah, but it, it, I think when you see, uh, I think I've seen a split screen of the Live Baby Live one where you saw Mike on the band on stage and you saw the red suits and the colour, you know, with the remastered version versus the old, and it was fantastic. Also, a couple of last bits of, uh, of news. Um, Jody Fortune is popping up in Glasgow uh, in Canada uh, as part of a bit of a benefit concert for Ukraine. The promoters did cheekily say <coughs> Jody Fortune from In Excess. <laughs> so maybe was from In Excess, but yes. uh, good on JD out there helping uh, a, a well-received uh, cause. Also, too, it's Richard uh, Clapton's birthday at the day of time of recording today. So big happy to happy birthday to Richard. He was such a darling and a gentleman for us. And he's on tour at the moment and he's posting lots of things and we wish him well on his birthday and his tour. Yay. Happy birthday, Richard. And the last little bit of news, but I've held this back from you. I can say that I have reached out to, uh, I guess, another podcast uh, that has been mentioned on this show before called Who Cares About the Rock Hall of Fame? That particular podcast is quite significant in America where they highlight, you know, who could be inducted, you know, they start talking about them. Um, over four or five years, it's sort of grown to a level where it actually, I'm not saying it's a companion piece, but it's probably the, the strongest podcast out there that really runs a deep dive into it. And ultimately what they lobby for and talk about suddenly does create some public groundswell. Excellent. I have invited them uh, to do a joint podcast with us, us to them, them to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're happy to do that, uh, probably just after when this year's nominees are, are inducted. Yeah. So I can't remember when they do get inducted. Maybe it's July, August, but um, they're really happy to do something in excess. They love in excess. They'd love to sort of highlight uh, their chances of getting in. So um, I will hold them to account on that. I've got them on Twitter as, as uh, a green, um, and hopefully that's something we can do to give a bit of a USA presence because we need more USA eyeballs and earballs on this momentum campaign. 
Oh, I look forward to that. That's great, Hayden. Well done. Hmm. But that's the news, Bray. Chock full of news. This is Danielle. This is Lori. And this is Foxy. Please subscribe to our newsletter at nxsaccessallareas.com. I like the noise, it's got texture Hit it again when I'm mad Close it again when I'm sad Hi, this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. You're listening to NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B, and it's time for the topic of the week. All right, B. Well, I'm uh, really excited to do a retrospective today, and that is go outside the boundaries of our chronology and go back to a time and place uh, and a performance that was uh, significant in Inexcess's career. And we are going to talk about the Rock and Royal show, B. I guess it's quite timely. We've got the Aussie guy, convict in me, is uh, the Aussie lad. And we've got the British royal aristocracy as you, you know, uh, in terms of this. So this is where Australia and the UK come together in our sort of Commonwealth connection. Well, I am the Queen Bee, so there you go. <laughs> you are. Well, I, I aspired to be Michael. I was a long way off. Um, having said that, um, I thought a bit of a backdrop information just to bring you and our listeners up to speed. Uh, this particular concert took place on the 4th of November, 1985. So, um, that first week of uh, November is around Melbourne Cup time. So uh, it was probably in that little celebratory long weekend period. It was performed at the Melbourne Arts Centre and it was also part of, I guess, that year in 1985, our 150th uh, year uh, anniversary of Melbourne as being a city in Victoria, uh, which I remember as a kid, you know, there were lots and lots of functions and events and things on and festivals in Melbourne that year, which as a family, we'd go into the city or catch the train in and we would go to some of these different types of events. Although this particular one was probably outside my reach as being a little uh, whippersnapper. The band, I guess, were chosen, although, you know, uh, you know, Chris Murphy, I'm sure, was he had some you know, strategic involvement in the decision. But I've got, I've got some back on that. Would you like to know? Yeah. Okay. Feel free. Add it in. So Chris Murphy turned it down. Right. Yeah. And so Molly yeah. went to the mums. He right. got to Patricia and he rang up um, oh, Jill. And yes. then they must have rang Chris. Right. And then Chris. <laughs> well, the rang- band didn't know then. Okay. So he backed. Molly, do you want to know what Molly said? If what? you can get the band on, I'll make sure you're sitting on the front row with Lady Di. <laughs> well, it's not like Molly Meldrum to backdoor anyone, is it? <laughs> but you'd like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do know that I, in my research that I knew the uh, the Farris family, I think some siblings or maybe um, uh, uh, family members of Andrew, Tim and, uh, and John attended. So it's nice mm. to understand why and how that happened because yeah. I guess I think though uh, the Farris parents were British. So there was probably an element with that where, you know, hanging with the royals, they'd be real royalists, I guess. Yeah. No, the yeah. whole, the, all of their families were there, their brothers and sisters. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. This is only about three or four months after Wembley, as in not so much in excess as Wembley, but the Live Aid Wembley. And uh, put it in a sort of perspective uh, about sort of for July 13th, I think that was, in uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. So some four months later, uh, Inexcess traje- uh, had a trajectory that was growing. Um, 
listen like thieves maybe it sort of come out early october i think from memory so we're about a month into the launch of that album uh chris thomas british you know producer come on board uh that massive success with the swing around sort of i guess australia south america asia um certain uh parts of continental europe listen like thieves was probably their big push into america uh this time had just been released as the first single in america hadn't done great but uh what you need was flying high in the australian charts uh, and some of the other charts around the world. And I guess it was sort of this dawn of this band, you know, taking the next step, you know, not long sort of uh, uh, after this period. I go via his hair, Michael's hair, and um, the Listen Like Feeds video is when he's got his short brownish hair, the one that you've got sort of in a, if your highlights at the moment. So it was, yeah. yeah, so it was the Listen Like Feeds, just before the Listen Like Feeds tour, wasn't it really? I should imagine. Yeah. Mm. So, so I guess, you know, from this particular period of time, you know, the, what a great promotion you know, with the Royal Family coming out. And I think they were coming out as part of the 150th year celebrations. And, and Chuck and Di used to come to Australia quite a bit on tours and things as part of their uh, royal duties and things. Being on the cusp of some sort of global success, you know, it was exciting to have something like this that probably, you know, again, is a real cultural zeitgeist moment. And uh, the venue itself only fitted, I think, three or 4,000 people. I know we played that interlude with our patrons section. We talk about Michael going, oh, it must be 10,000 people out there or whatever. Well, apparently there was close to thirty to 40,000 people outside. And in an era where technology was limited, they had big screens of some description outside. So the thousands of people who couldn't get into the gig were able to actually be outside, sort of, I guess, listening and taking it all in. Yeah, they paid $5, um, didn't they, in, outside? Well, they could have, yeah, yeah. maybe. I, I think don't it know, was but... $5 outside and $45 inside. Well, you know, it was probably one of those gigs there where um, I guess uh, it was a, it's sort of a real event. And uh, in terms of some of the support artists uh, who played on that particular uh, show, because... Uh, when the excess played, we'll go through the set list soon. But um, essentially, a lot of these sort of gigs have a warm-up artist and things like that. And it was a very vibrant time in the Australian music scene with Countdown, uh, the TV show, which is our version of Top of the Pops out at Zenith. Uh, it was a time where uh, a lot of Australian artists were getting chart success. Sales were high. It was the middle of the 80s. It was Things were moving. And uh, I guess uh, one of the bands called Kids in the Kitchen, who uh, were a great band at that time, uh, were one of the support acts. Um, I'm Talking, who uh, was fronted by Kate Sobrano, uh, uh, was one of those acts uh, playing in that uh, support gig. Kate herself recently did a, not an expose, but she did a, a big feature-length article, I think, with The Guardian here, where she talked about Michael and that concert, royal, you know, that uh, you know, uh, rock and roll's concert, and I'll maybe quote that a little bit later. Uh, the models uh, who were, you know, really at their peak with uh, the songs Barbados and Out of Mind, Out of Sight, uh, going one and two on the charts. Uh, and obviously in excess is the head act and things like that. As you said earlier, Molly Meldrum, the very famous Molly Meldrum, who did date my mum for a little bit of time in the 60s. Wow. Uh, he was hosting the event and he was sort of the biggest thing to Australian music uh, uh, in terms of hosting and pr production duties and things. Jenny Morris uh, participated on some backup vocals, B, and I think she may have, you said, played a bit of guitar in the gig. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that later. But, yeah, she yep. she, she was in the background fair bit just playing percussion. But, yeah, we, yeah. we they, they involved her quite a bit. How lovely. The great thing also, and uh, I guess it's never underestimated, but back in the day, uh, this concert was filmed. Uh, the band had a video previously for the Swing album, which was called The Swing and Other Stories, which was really mostly sort of uh, videos of the, the sort of seven or eight 
video tracks from the swing. Uh, but this became sort of the Rock and Royals, you know, video that did soon to become released through VHS and Beta. Again, as I said, technology in those days wasn't what it is now. But uh, the footage, when you go back and watch it, whatever, there is really real well photographed and produced and for its time, you know, has pretty good production values and things. But uh, the band were apparently a little bit nervous with the Royals and the family and they just didn't want to be too self-conscious. So um, I have unearthed a little bit of footage, uh, uh, which I did some research this week, where they were like, okay, we have to sort of play the gig and not be so sort of cognizant of the fact that the Royals are there, but we also have to entertain and but also there are protocols of what you can and can't do. But then they just sort of said Michael got up and just did his Michael thing. So Yeah, they tried to be as casual and rock starish, didn't they? I, I, I like the bit that they said about, you know, they were coming out of the 70s into the 80s where you had the Sex Pistols being anti-establishment and then they there they were actually playing for the Royals. You know, they, they were only, I mean, Diane was only 25, yes. wasn't she? She was oh, only yeah. a young lady and she just, yeah, well, we'll talk about her later. But, yeah, it was a very cool time for everybody to have her in the audience. Yeah, I mean, people forget just how young she was. I mean, mm. she she really, you know, married, you know, Charles at 20, you know, years of age virtually. And, you know, this is only some four years after the, the wedding, uh, which uh, was a centrepiece, I guess, of uh, world uh, focus uh, when they got married in 1981. How lovely for her to have been part of this um, and, and not with all those stuffy dignitaries <laughs> and politicians all the time. It must have been so uplifting for her. And it, it just shows in her face she really enjoyed this show. Well, if you think back in hindsight, I mean, she had a bit of a a bit of a crush on John Taylor from Duran uh, <laughs> uh, Duran, and I'm sure Michael uh, uh, and her being that age and stuff like that. Imagine comparing John Taylor and Michael to Charles, uh, uh, <laughs> King Charles. Probably a difference in charisma there, isn't there? A lot, a lot, yes. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. I have got a few more little things to talk about as we go through this show. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, you know, this particular gig, the support acts have been on, the band uh, are going to come out and sort of, you know, play the gig live, et cetera, there. And uh, they play 11 songs, B. So uh, some people might sort of be querisome and say, oh, why do they only play 11 songs? Well, you know, it, it's sort of an event. It's probably not a traditional in excess concert where, you know, 22, 23, 24 songs are going to be on sort of high rotation. It's probably not that particular type of gig, right? It's the type of gig which is a sort of a ceremonial and event type gig. Um, there's probably been 12, 14 songs from the warm-up acts and things like that. You've got the attention span of the Royals. You've got it being filmed. It's on a probably on a weeknight, et cetera, there when it's being sort of played. So it had a certain sort of a uh, uh, little bit like um, Australian Made. There was always going to be a limitation of how many songs they, they could play. Yeah, B, you've got a, a little bit of take on this particular lead-up to the actual gig itself. Uh, please share your insights or your research. just like to set the scene really so it's a a rainy melbourne night it starts off with diana and um, charles with their umbrellas and she is dressed in oh it's fantastic it's it's bright purple and silk um, suit a skirt suit with matching shoes and she just pops from the audience everybody else is all dark and she's just this shining light coming through I just found that she just looked so beautiful and she was just so happy and the energy that was coming from her you're actually looking for Charles you don't even see him you can't find him in any anyway but it was absolutely Diana mania 
Australia. Everybody couldn't get enough of her. And to have Diana in Australia at that point was fantastic for Australia and like you say, and for um, an excess to be part of. The world was just going mad for Diana at that point, weren't they, five years later? Such a charming, beautiful, captivating lady, wasn't she? Mm. Yeah. I guess the listeners who are unfamiliar with this particular podcast were probably curious of what songs they actually had on the uh, set list for the day. Now, as I said, this is uh, November 85, so they've got uh, no kick or X or anything after that to work on. So this is Listen Like Thieves and Backwards. But uh, they focus really most of the material on Listen Like Thieves, a little bit of The Swing, uh, and a little bit of uh, Shabu Shabar, all pretty much uh, singles bar, I think, one song, which we will uh, elaborate on a bit later, uh, maybe actually two. But uh, they did start off the show, B, with a very rip-roaring version of Burn For You, and young Timmy was playing keyboards on this particular track when I went back to look at it, which was quite interesting because it seemed to be Andrew's domain from kick onwards, but Tim uh, was quite handy on the ivory uh on the ivory uh, tablets there. Yeah, uh, yeah, with cool. his guns out. It really worked out on those at that point. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty special to see that, wasn't it? And, and and you know, the yeah. mullets were there and Michael growing out his mullet in, in preparation for the Listen Like Thieves. But, um, yeah, all clad yeah. in leather. They all look pretty good. Also, um, <laughs> I did did hear that Prince Charles tried to act cool and said to Kirk something about, uh, you, you look like you might have been a bit hot up there in all those leathers. <laughs> well, I've got actually a quote. A more, a more uh, forward oh, yeah. quote after uh, oh, when we okay. do our review. Yeah, I've got that. He might have used another <laughs> word, but why don't we give the listeners a quick little sample? Oh, I will. Yes, okay. Here we go. Now, at this particular point in time, this hadn't been a single, but would go on to be a single released about six months later, uh, around sort of January, February, maybe of, uh, of 86 in Australia. So that was sort of the second song that they played. They then went into Dancing on the Jetty Bee. Now, there's a, a bit of a link with this song and the lyrics there. Do you know what it is? The T-shirt. The, the singlet. Well, Close. it's actually, no, I'm right, actually. It is a T-shirt, but Michael cut the uh, arms off and the neck off. So it was a very large T-shirt. That right, we'll, we'll claim one all on that one. Then. Okay. <laughs> but I think there was a singlet he wore on the Listen Like Thieves cover or one of the back covers and things like that, isn't it? I think it? it's fan gave it to him, actually. It was because right. it's hand. it was hand-drawn. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, again, it was sort of quite a political song uh, with mm-hmm. a sort of a dance undertone there. Uh, which was which was good, and that was the fourth single off the swing. But uh, that song uh, was quite popular on Melbourne radio in the preceding sort of 12, 18 months. So that was the third song. They then went into the fourth song, which was the the one thing, which uh, I think when you watch the uh, footage of this gig, uh, had a great sort of response from the from the crowd. Uh, 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 and it's where Michael takes his jacket off. 
Okay. All right. We'll give a, why don't we give a little snippet of the one okay. thing? Okay. Okay. For, okay. The, for the ladies. Do it where the do it do it sonically where he takes his jacket off. All right, I will. <laughs> you ready, girls? <laughs> So we come back from the one thing there. Next on the list was this time, which was uh, at uh, the point of being played or recorded this uh, gig, was the single that was uh, led uh, well, led the album off in America and the UK. Uh, it was the second single in Australia. So mm-hmm. this time was number five. Uh, number six, uh, Shine Like It Does. Uh, not a single, but probably gone down over time as a, a much-loved sort of ballad yeah. uh, within the band's repertoire, mm-hmm. uh, which was the, the sixth song. Uh, they then came back out with uh, Listen Like Thieves, the uh, uh, title track of the album, which uh, had a bit of significance for Melbourne. And I could probably align the dates there, but they filmed this film clip in Melbourne. Now, I would tend to think they must have filmed this roughly around the time of this gig because uh, parts of it were filmed at the Palais uh, in St Kilda yeah. and uh, parts of it were filmed in, I think, the old Westcar Theatre in Northcote. Okay. So... So I wouldn't be surprised uh, uh, this particular song was actually, from a video point of view, made around the same time with everybody in town uh, doing this particular uh, gig. They then hold back and they've come up finally, number song number eight, with What You Need, which it's funny, I would have thought they may have gone out with this as the first song, but um, they were quite, you know, prolific in playing the lead song off the you know, latest album is the first song live. They did that with Suicide Blonde on the X Factor tour and other sort of gigs and things like that. But okay, let's listen to Michael introduce the song. Song about sex.
great version, but he doesn't reference um, the riff with Timmy, does he? No, that comes six years later. Six okay, years but, later. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, moving along to song number nine, uh, another song that was never a single, but uh, as we will hear a little bit later possibly in the podcast, uh, this is a track that was quite famously added on to one of their live albums. Uh, the song is One by One. Um, and I'm sure, B, you'll give an anecdote or two uh, later about what you see this song as also being called. But uh, one by one, let's give a quick little sample, listen to this one. I love that they have the fireworks at the beginning of this as well. All right, and let's Jenny, play that. And Jenny with the guitar. Well done, Jenny. She looks so cool and cute. coming back to probably the last two songs, big tracks, uh, seminal tracks in their arsenal this time. Uh, they've uh, saved Original Sin uh, for number 10. Uh, just remember, B, this was in the days where they had Never Tear Us Apart or these other songs uh, in their catalogue yet. So they've held off Original Sin, uh, their first and only number one in Australia, to be song 10. And then they've gone out with the penultimate, uh, well, the ultimate sort of closing track, as we all know, which was Don't Change, which we can't deprive our listeners of a little bit of the last, you know, 15, 20 seconds of Don't Change. So, Sort of rip roaring version there, and 
I guess with some of the camera work, B, when you see it from the stage going out to the crowd, the crowd was so into it. It felt like they were the special few. You know, it's like these rare concerts where you see a band, a huge band playing in a very much an, a reduced capacity venue for a various reason, but just so passionate into it. In fact, they were selected. You could see that come across and they just love the music. Mm-hmm. Having lived in St Kilda, I know exactly where that underpass is. It's pretty cool that it had so many people in there listening at the to the concert. Well, this is sort of, yeah, this is probably not in St Kilda, though. No, St Kilda Road. Yeah, well, St Kilda Road is on the way to yeah. St Kilda. <laughs> I, yeah, I yeah, lived yes. in St Kilda. That's what I said. Yeah, mm. that's right. That's right. So, you know, reflections of the gig and the concerts, please. Anything that over this last week or two of research that you sort of take away from the gig when you sort of watch back at highlights or have invested some, some time into it? What do I take from it? Yeah, it was yeah. it was them on the pinnacle um, journey of world domination, definitely. Mm. I'm, I was looking at the clothes that Michael was wearing. This is the first time that he met Paula in those clothes on the tube. So they'd been backwards and forwards to um, England a fair bit before mm. the Listen Like Thieves tour started. So, yeah. yeah, so, you know, I'm trying to, I was trying to work it out if that's when I saw them first would or have heard of them was because of this concert because I remember seeing glimpses of it on the news. It was highlighted so much in the English yes. press. Mm. yes. Yeah, and, and that would have been, as I said, a, a great gateway into the UK. And um, they did, I, I think, even though the album didn't do super well in the UK, I think three or four songs hit the top 50. So it did give them a sort of a, a leg into the market and mm-hmm. they, they were able to get more press. And we had that, I think, Melody Maker NME article that came about a few months ago on one of our platforms that was posted. So this, I think, gave them a bit of a, a, a torch into sort of the, the UK market. A couple of little things sort of as a little bit of a takeaway. Obviously, the gig itself, you know, had the sort of the 11 tracks. A lot of it was heavily weighted to the new album, which often uh, is the way to go. As you said earlier, B, you know, the, the clothes and, uh, do you know, they were, did Michael be wearing beads during this gig? He there were some did. white beads. Some, uh, well, it would be, be like the Diana Pearls, wouldn't it? That was hanging. <laughs> God, and he wore them so well, didn't he? <laughs> Well, it's not like me to notice a fashion accessory, but I did sort of notice it. So where did they come it. from? <laughs> and he had the, the leather jacket going there and obviously he ended up in the singlet, which uh, you say is a shirt he cut up, but I'll, uh, you know, I'll take it. we talk about Michael, but they all look pretty good. Andrew looked really dapper. He was all, they yeah. were all dressed in black, if I remember rightly, and Andrew looked very sharp in a suit. Yeah. Mm. And I think uh, during the concert, there's a famous line that may have become the moniker for the tour, you know, if you've got it, shake it, That's you know, right. <laughs> which is Michael says there. So that yeah, I think might have become one of the slogans, one of the tours and things. Mm. I think that, uh, you know, you're seeing a band, you know, uh, with a lot of energy, a lot of vibrancy, you know, their mid-20s, uh, a lot of urgency. You see a crowd that, you know, no mobile phones, no distractions, no yeah, influences. Yeah, into the time and the moment. That's something quite significant when you go back sometimes and look at these type of heritage uh, gigs and performances. There's none of this, you know, you know, sort of distractions of social media and look at me and narcissistic crowd members and things. It is a, a, a sort of a fan band experience. And um, I think that uh, that's something that, um, you know, we miss a little bit. And I can understand why some bands or artists refuse mobile phones in their, in their gigs because, it's not about not wanting to be photographed. It's about the band wanting people to be into the moment, yeah. not trying to be into posterity, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, totally get it. Imagine being on the stage and just being, just seeing all these lights on you and not seeing yeah. the reactions of people's faces. Um, yeah. 
it might be a bit narcissistic, but I'm actually thinking about our bus tour and the fact that none of us really got our phones out either. We were right into it. It was, it, I think you sometimes have to put things away and be in the moment for these occasions, don't you, in life? Definitely. Yeah. Mm. At conclusions, okay. So there was, I've gone through the reflections and just some sort of vibes about it, but I, I put a few little conclusions and some little uh, talking points here, B. Apparently during the gig, Charles was uh, spotted snapping his fingers. Ooh. Okay. That was his way of rocking out. Uh, apparently Diane rocked out in her uh, sort of rock and roll way uh, in, in her seat. Uh, but she had to be quite, uh, she was made, uh, apparently before she was made aware of royal protocols. Yes, so she couldn't do some of the Tom Jones and throw her knickers onto the stage <laughs> or anything like that. Okay. Um, but uh, after the gig, B, the, the band and some of the support act got to meet uh, Charles and uh, Diane. Now, you mentioned earlier a bit about Kirk having a comment from Charles. Can I reveal what he actually said? Go on, tell us. What did you say earlier? You said something about you must be rather tired from that. No, it must be, be a bit hot from that. No, he that. said, oh, it's kind of all that. He said the word shag. He did say the word He said, shag. you must be rather shagged after that. Shagged. Yeah. Aren't I rock and roll? Oh, yes. Bless it. Uh, yeah. And it's such a Mike Myers, you know, uh, you know, Austin Powers thing, a British thing. You must be rather shagged from that. <laughs> so that apparently was said. Um now, uh, this was released on VHS and video, and I had this particular sort of copy in sort of in the 80s and 90s and things like that, but it did get a digital release for those unaware. Uh, I think it was around April 2011 on iTunes. Now, that was limited to Australia, Mexico, and New Zealand, and there was an extra sort of 10 minutes added on. You may have seen the stuff with John, Tim, and Kurt, uh, John, Tim, and Andrew, who gave a bit of a commentary and a, 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 a revisit on that. However, it is obviously on all YouTube and other platforms now. So everyone can go away and watch this in its entirety through the various uh, uh, platforms mentioned. I think it got great reviews and really good press uh, at the time. And, you know, at that particular period with the band sort of climbing and being such a great live band, they were sort of criticalists in terms of the critics. They they, they loved it. It gave the band a, a good a said, momentum into the UK. Uh, but it was just one of these other little famous stepping stones along the way in their sort of career. I've got another little story that I read. I wish I could remember the person's name, but it was from his diary. And uh, Molly had seen them outside and brought them in and they managed to get to play and um, listen to them playing. And then they went outside and saw the chauffeur and the chauffeur, they said, oh, where, where are the boys staying? And the chauffeur told them where they were staying. So they went off. I think it used to be called the Sofotel. Sofotel? Sofotel. Yeah. So they went and waited outside and they saw like him came out with um, Kirk with some girls and they thought, oh, no, no, we won't won't bother him. And then Michael came out with a few girls and they thought we're not going to miss out on this. And they went over and Mm -hmm. spoke to him. And this is where Michael famously said, oh, yeah, she was hot, wasn't she, Um, Diana? He says, oh, I think she's really sexy. Um, And I gave her my hotel number. (laughs) (laughs) never one to miss an opportunity yeah i love it i love it and then did you know that molly and um took diana to his house afterwards as well i think there was an after party molly was very known for those yeah Uh, his his place is quite famous in richmond here in melbourne uh a long, uh, I think it's called Hyde Street, I think, um, but his uh, outdoor area, he's got a very much a Spanish villa type house and big sort of front wall out there. And he always, you know, celebrates it with, you know, pictures of football and rugby and 
things on. So there's always these murals on his wall in his home. But uh, he was very famous for having parties there. And I do believe Diane went back. Diana went back. Did I Chuck? Don't did Chuck think go? it was a party. I think they were they were going past. They must have been somewhere. And he says, right. "Oh, I live there." And she goes, "Let's let's go in." And he's like, "No, no, no." So they went in. Oh, I'll tell you all this. They went in and his manager, I think her name was Lynn, was waiting and she dropped the F-bomb on seeing Diana walk into his house because she was told that his house was had got Egyptian theme or something. It does, yeah. It's yeah. got Egyptian pool and all this sort of stuff there. Yeah, <laughs> so she yeah. wanted to see it. So she she yeah. says, all right, then, do you want a bloody cup of tea or something? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Diana stopped for a cup of tea for 15 minutes at Molly's. Yeah. Oh, Molly. Fantastic. If you're listening, yeah. Molly, that is just precious. So Molly Meldrum is the uh, the icon of Australian Darling. music. He, he famously produced uh, one of our most famous songs called The Real Thing in 1970. Um, and, you know, obviously went on to host Countdown and, interview everybody and back in the 80s there was only when Michael Jackson did an interview the only person he picked in the world to do it was Molly so mm. so he's uh, always been a bit of a go-to guy from the stars he was quite responsible for Elton John's success in this country he was quite responsible for Abba's success in this country yeah. and Blondie's mm-hmm. by putting them on countdown early and giving mm. them hits mm. that generated sort of uh, some momentum for their careers so mm. but let me uh, tie things up a little bit B I would say that um, when we talk about our concert series in our 106 episodes so far we have talked about Wembley. We have talked about the Concert for Life. We have talked about the Arts Festival uh, in, in the USA. We have talked about Australian Made. We've talked about stuff on the Kick Tour and X Factor Tour and things. Um, and now we've talked about Rock and Royals. And it sort of got me thinking that if I look back in the, the band's career, Wembley obviously is the pinnacle in terms of climbing that mountain, in terms of exposure, acclaim, crowd size, the, the cultural zeitgeist in the UK. This particular concert is right up there with, you know, the Australian Made and, and the US uh, Arts Festival, and uh, Arts Festival, I should say, and the Concert for Life and Kick and X. It's, it's right in that real significant top five or six gigs that gave them uh, a standing and, uh, and has grown over time. Like it's quite a, you could call it a heritage-listed concert. I was going to say that. It's a, it's a very historic. Heritage yeah. uh, value in their career. And yeah. when you're a band, you can be famous for your songs. You can be famous for your songwriting. You can be famous for your, for your artistic craft. You can be famous, you know, for, you know, your infamy. Like the Sex Pistols really are more famous for their infamy than they are for their music. But, you know, In Excess is a live act. Uh, it's no coincidence in 1986 they were ranked by Musician Magazine as the best live band in the world. And, you know, this is a 1985 November concert. This is a pinnacle stepping stone that probably paved the way for Listen Like Thieves Tour, which was a grittier album, a more guitar-driven album. And this was a centrepiece and a momentum piece towards that. So we say to In Excess, like we always do when we go back, thank you. But we'll just say thank you for Rock and Rolls. We hope... Um, for those who weren't around or unaware or want to go check it out, we've given you enough impulse to go back and do so. Um, but thank you, B, for your research. You had some great stuff you added in too that I was unaware of. So thank you too. And I want to thank you too. Thank you so much. Um, the music just continues and we just all love you to bits. Yeah, this was a this one was a bit of a labour of love to go back. And it's and it's my hometown, you know, for where they played. And I just wish I was three years older <laughs> at the time. You know, I would have probably had money and scope and maturity and and most of all be permission 
to yeah. go. Not that that ever stopped you. I was going to say, who needs permission? I don't do permission. <laughs> I ask for forgiveness. That's the, <laughs> the, the problem. With, that problem one. with me as a as a thirteen, fourteen year old who was four foot nothing. I, I needed permission. Oh, you know? <laughs> I was actually yeah. thinking before we we end. You know, um, they 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 came together as the Farris brothers in seventy seven. This was only eighty five. Yeah. You know, to go from the garage, from the pubs, to actually being headlining to the Royals with. Intent yeah. before you know what yeah. eight years amazing yeah. achievement amazing yeah. achievement but the average age of the band members on this gig people forget would be 25 and a half 26 years of age mm. you know michael was 25 that year john was 24 um you know kirk would have probably just turned you know 26 27 you know andrew would have been 26 Gary would have probably been the oldest, maybe at 27. Tim, you know, 26 and a half, 27. I mean, they were young, they were young. Yeah. And to get that, I mean, you know, it's 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 fantastic that, you know, those things, you know, come about. And, yeah, you know, sometimes as a band, you don't know what decisions you're making and what the effects are and whether they made money or not. It's probably not an issue. This is a an artistic sort of landmark in the career. So um, I'm glad that, you know, let's look at it. 37 years later, we're talking about it. I know. And, and I, I mentioned, I think, in the intro um, about the, um, Dragon. What was his name again? Mark. Mark Hunter. Yeah. And yep. and, and the interview is with Molly. And, yep. and, it, and Molly says to Mark, can you give Michael some advice on becoming a rock star? Because they were only right. one show, were one album in. And Michael's, you know, still got the spotty skin and he's little and stuff and you're like oh my god to think that that was like probably only about five years he's earlier yeah earlier and there he is the rock god Um, well mark hunter was probably the closest yeah mark hunter was probably the closest thing to what michael you know michael probably surpassed mark in many ways but mark hunter was probably the michael type s guy the flamboyant you know good looking front man mm. with you know charisma to die for and song lyrics to kill for and melodies and he was a bit of a template i yeah. think for michael I'll, i'm going to share that um, video with you because he, he, if you look at michael he's like a goofy young teenager and then mark <laughs> has got the, yeah. the glasses and the yeah. michael hair is as if yeah, yeah. as if he has actually yeah. taken note but yeah. what advice does he give him he says i can't give you any advice i tell you what advice stay clean that's what he said <laughs> Thanks, Pete. And this is Manny from the UK. This is Lisa Mack from Brisbane, Australia. And this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. And that's a wrap. Well, episode 106 in the can. This is the part where we normally talk about fan engagement, which is your little hotspot. I know, I think you mentioned something in pre-production, a little bit about a, a charity campaign with Dr. Jim. Did you want to kick off things with that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, 106, you mean, not 106. <laughs> Maybe it was my, was that my New Zealand coming out of me, was it? <laughs> I'm, like- I'm getting dialect lessons from B. Things have changed. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually funny because I, I bumped into a girl from Birmingham the other day and um, I went, would you like to try on some glasses? And she goes, pardon? Mm. <laughs> and she goes, you mean glasses? She goes, you've got, got to get that knocked back out of your bee. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, yeah. yeah, so going back to um, Dr. Jim. Yes, yeah, so we have something over here called Christmas in July, which got me thinking, oh, party time. But then... We also also thought July is when um, the Wembley 
gig comes out and we thought it'd be lovely to get us all together for a little Christmas in July next year, hopefully. So Dr. Jim is going to be looking at getting a cinema together and having it for a charity event for his charity, Just a Man. So keep your eyes and ears open for that. And if you're interested, let us know. But um, yeah, we're thinking Melbourne. But before that, you're even thinking that uh, we'd get something together for, is it Hoyt's in yeah, Melbourne? Yeah, so I think I mentioned last week on the news. We that, can have uh, more than one party. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, Hoyt Cinemas in November, I think this year, are doing a Live Baby Live Wembley sort of extravaganza. And uh, uh, we'd like to think maybe we could tie in some promotion for that with mm. uh, our podcast and get a big audience and, and get a whole bunch of people around the country to that uh, theatre. But, yeah, as I said, what Jim's putting together with his charity and tying it into In Excess is always great. And anything we can do to accelerate that or promote that, we're happy to do so. All right. What else is in fan engagement, B? What else has sort of come across your, your desk? Okay. So I'd also like to say hello to um, Darren, Darren George this time round. He's been very active on our platform. So hello, mate. Um, Jacqueline, Marilyn, uh, Rosemary, Marsha, Kent and Kelly. Hello to you. I'd also like to say hello to a lady I met last night at the fish and chip shop. Her name is Lynn and she likes to be called the Ford lady because she is heavily into Ford automobiles, but that's another podcast in itself. But Lynn is going to be starting something called the Ladies Shed in Coffs Harbour, where women can go and learn all the different things they need to know, like changing a plug and light bulbs and all sorts of things. And I just thought it was great. And she loves in excess and she's listening now. So hello to Lynn. But you strike me as the type of person when you walk along the street, uh, you if there was 50 people between the Coles or Woolworths in your your car, you would say something to each other. Probably Hayden, because that's the way I am. I like to speak to people. I like to uh, engage. And that probably brings us into the fact that um, I accidentally um, turned your microphone off. <laughs> and I've, I've got to uh, say goodbye to everybody by myself. So what song did we want to go out on? Well, Ironically, it's called One by One, one of my favourite songs. And yes, I do like this to be called as my stripping song. So if with that in your heads, <laughs> or get your um, stripper tees um, ready, please, for One by One. And it's a goodbye from Hayden, and it's a goodbye from me. See you next week.
Thank you. Dedicating this episode to Val and Lauren.